mics are off. <laughs> there you there go. There we hey. go. Hey, Welcome hey. everybody to the selfevidenttruth.com. You got Massey. You got Mike. Yo, how's it going? And it is the last podcast of the year. So here Woo! we are doing what we do best is giving you history and hope. History and hope. And I history think that should hope. be the new moniker, history <laughs> and hope. Because guess what? If you understand history, you will not repeat its mistakes. And so that's what we don't want to do. And so here we are, guys. If you guys go to theselfevidenttruth.com, you guys can find out more about what we do. Again, you guys want to sport something cool like one of these hats or one of our shirts? I mean, we got a lot of cool stuff on 1776truth.store. If you have not yet subscribed on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Apple iTunes, BitChute, YouTube, all those things. And we're going to probably get cut from all these things. I know on Facebook, our viewership has gone down, but in other places, it's gone up, it which is odd. Yeah. And it, it, so we're also on Parlor, Self-Evident Ministry. If you look up all these things, you guys can subscribe. Your subscribing helps us grow the channel. That's what yeah. we're doing here. Again, why don't you guys, if you're on right now, I want you to hit the like button. I want you to hit the share button. I'll give you five seconds to do here it. Here we go. You ready? The, go. Hit the like button. Hit the share button. Get this information out there. This is exactly what share. we need to grow uh, again hit the like and share tell us where you're from as well and if you have questions please we would love to answer those questions so guess what the title is holiday his uh, uh, holiday history and hysteria in other words there was a lot of sacrifices made in, in christmas past by those who fought for independence how yeah. does that relate to today and what do we need to do uh, to advance that yeah and so we'll do our news bits we'll cover all that stuff but we wanted to kind of separate this today out um yesterday was christmas merry christmas everybody i hope you had an amazing christmas be sure to wish each other a merry christmas in the comments right you guys aren't just paying attention to us you guys are able to interact with each other we're a community here so wish everybody a merry christmas yo merry um, christmas and merry christmas merry, merry, christmas. <laughs> merry christians merry, merry chrysler and <laughs> some of you will understand that reference yo. um <laughs> but what we wanted to do today was you have been inundated with elections and Trump and Biden and fraud and all this world event going on, right? And we are self-evident ministries. Why are we called self-evident? Self-evident truths. What inspires us? What drives us? What are we passionate about? The founding of America, right? So we learn lessons from history. And those lessons in history are so valuable for today. And so what I thought was perfect for us to do tonight was to cover the the events at Valley Forge, which happened. They they marched into Valley, Valley Forge a couple of days before Christmas, and it was considered one of those moments that completely reshaped how the Continental Army saw themselves and saw the war. Truth. And... It was a very tough time for the troops through that winter. And so we want to just kind of go through the facts, go through the history and give some shape to it to show you guys, okay, what lessons can we take from that? What lessons can we learn? What hope can we carry through, especially going into a new year after such a rough year? Everybody talks about I know how rough 2020 was. You know what I see? I see this is a moment of opportunity. I do too. I think that as we grow as a nation, as we start to study more of the Constitution, I kind of feel like, man, we've been talking about this for so long. Yeah. But the cool thing is people are listening finally because it finally hit them. It's it's finally they're starting to wake up to government overreach and all these other things and stolen elections, all that stuff. So here we are saying, look, we have an opportunity right now to grow where we're at and actually do something about it. Right. Yeah. We can give people hope. And so, again, 
hit the like, hit the share button, guys, because we need to get this information out there. We love you so much for tuning in. If you again, if you have any questions, please do that. But share it. We're on uh, right now. We're live on Instagram. We're live on YouTube and Facebook. So, guys, share. let's hit it. Let's do it. Are you ready? News bits. News bits. Come News on. News bits. News bits. Here we go. Okay, slide number one. So you may have heard, you may have not. There was an RV bomb in Nashville on Christmas Day. Uh, I was just looking it up right before we went live. It looks like they have actually um, found a house of interest that they've raided. It doesn't say whether or not they have a person of interest in custody yet. Um, but there's not a whole lot known. They aren't saying a whole lot. However, it blew up on Christmas Day. It was parked in front of an AT&T building damaged enough to take out some communication systems okay we don't know a lot but there are a couple of things that we just kind of wanted to point out that was interesting about this and, and we'll keep paying attention to it it had a recording device before the explosion telling people to get out of the area to evacuate mm. and there were even people who said well it was going for so long i just i didn't even know if it was really true or not but you know i kind of wanted to stay away and it was on Christmas Day, which if you think about it, how many people are actually down in a downtown Nashville on Christmas Day in a commercial building like that? True. Probably not very many people. And it was parked. The last I looked, they they knew it was parked about 1.20 in the morning. And this means it risked being noticed, uh, towing and being conspicuous. So... Uh, the, this was intended, but this really seems to be something that it was not intended to hurt anybody because you figure there, there's the fewest people possible in the buildings at that time. It's warning people to get out of the area. We're going to watch this because it's something's going on here, and immediately people are going to go, oh, it's the conservatives, the, the right-wing extremists, <laughs> the Antifa. Just stop playing the tribal game, okay? Stop playing the tribal game, please, and just – Let's see what happens with this. But it, it, a couple people were hurt. As far as I know, still nobody was killed. Thank goodness. Um, if that changes, it's it's a heartbreaking thing. So we'll be paying attention to it. Let's go to slide two. The relief bill is with Trump now at Mar-a-Lago. So let's take a little about this bill itself. <laughs> you want to or just yeah let's let's zoom. let's let's get into it look uh everybody recognized and, and i say everybody it was all over the place like how many how much pork was in it uh even having some of the fact checkers i'm realizing something man when you have to censor information and say that's partially true partially false all this other stuff that's nazi propaganda dude and that's yeah. what facebook and all these places are doing because they're like that wasn't the full uh, uh stimulus bill that was the covid relief bill it's under the same dang bill. Yeah, they fit it all they in together. They fit it all in. Like, so it's all together in one. So don't let them fool you and say, oh, that was a separate bill. No, how do you think they got 5,000 pages out? Listen to me. Why is the Constitution only four pages long? But this is over 5,000 pages that they only had. I, I'm, I'm thinking, I think it Tulsi was, Gabbard said like eight hours to read. Not even. Not even. I think AOC said something like two hours. Two hours. And it is hell freezing over when we agree with aoc but she was like five thousand pages two hours to read this yet then she went and voted for it anyway for it anyway but... yeah because we got to trust people right because <laughs> government never gets it wrong so you have this bill that's got a ton of pork in it and says here's 600 bucks of your money people live oh, with it man 
Paul and I were talking about that uh, on Facebook and just the, the gall of this situation, the gall of this. Let's take your money from you. We'll shut down your businesses. Truth. We'll shut down your economy. We'll force you to wear masks. We'll force you to separate from your families. Yeah, and it's funny. Those same people legislating this junk are the ones getting a paycheck still. Yeah. And there's a business owner I was just watching yesterday. He's out, He blocked, actually, the guy that was trying to shut his business down. He blocked the dude in by his truck. Oh, cool. Right, and the guy's like, it's just, it's just my job. We know that, but don't you have something in your heart? Yeah. That's like, dude, this is just wrong. It is this this comparison may seem exaggerating, but sometimes you need an exaggeration. The guards of the concentration camps also said it was just my job. Yeah, dude, uh, a lot of Hitler's henchmen uh, said that they were like, you know, yeah. we were just following orders. Following it was orders. the law. It was a law, and they weren't ignorant to the fact that they were still held liable for that law. So these men and women that are like, hey, you got to shut down your business. He looked at him and said, "That's cool. So you got paid, right? Because my cook hasn't gotten paid." My, my workers in the front, have, my waitresses haven't gotten paid. What am I supposed to tell my bills? Oh, uh, go talk to the city governments because they shut down my business? What am I supposed to say? Yeah. Go bankrupt? Is, is, that, is that the answer here? Hold out for PPP. But, but again, I'm supposed to pay taxes to pay you. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, dude, there's something about the spirit of division that's hitting America, and it hit it quick. And it's always been here, but it almost like surfaced yeah. quickly. And you know who started it? You know who's really the arbiter of it all? If you're not careful, it's the media. Malcolm X said it best. If you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating those who who do the oppress or hating those who uh, who who are oppressed, who are oppressed, and then loving those who are doing the oppressing. That's exactly what's happening right now. Where people are wearing Fauci sweatshirts. <laughs> they're, they're they're one guy. <laughs> that shows that shows the gross air of their way that one person is their guy because yeah. i say the same thing about trump worshipers same thing it's all about trump if trump 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 same thing with fauci dude i'm telling you the people are the same and if we're not following scripture and understanding the gospels we will never understand seeing and hearing with our eyes yeah. and our ears we won't have the spiritual mindset to say no this is this is division right now and it's trying to creep into the church and it did well and let's let's go to the trump side for it so i know people will be arguing that he was doing 4d chess on this whole thing and he you know when he said well let's do 2000 and <laughs> it was funny because somebody was like yeah 600 dollars. hopefully trump vetoes it and and i saw he had come out and wasn't saying that he was going to sign it. So I was like, Oh, good news. And then he makes this comment about, well, I need a raise to $2,000. It was just like, Oh man. Oh, <laughs> we don't have the oh, money for that. What? <laughs> and I understand. I understand some of the conservatives saying it's your money anyway. Yeah. We don't have the money to print, which is funny. We sent in all of our money and then they're like, Oh, we don't have any money. You have my money. That's <laughs> right. Give and it so, back. <laughs> don't you understand? You're saying it's your money anyway. No, 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 no. We don't have the money. We don't have, we have it's to print been it. Spent. Yeah, dude. But beyond that, we have to print more money, which devalues the, 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 the currency of the dollar, the value of the yeah. dollar, which then inflation will go up, dude. And we'll all be had on this. And dude, we just don't learn from history that, dude, this is happening right now. Yeah. You keep doing this. You keep messing with the natural order of things. It'll eventually come back to bite you. If you keep taking care of that cat by feeding them tuna fish on the outside, it'll keep coming back and you'll never get rid of it. You won't. <laughs> and, and it's just a nat that's just the natural order of man yeah. and, and, and human nature, and right? You, you know the cat thing from experience, don't you? 100%. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I never had pets before. So I was like, that's cool. Like, uh, there's a cat out there. It's in the middle of winter. It was in South Rapids, uh, Minnesota, right? 
And it was in the middle of winter. Our, our porch was in the back. A cat come up there. I'm like, oh, give it go to enough fishers. You, you heard, to been, buddy. The next that day. thing came back, and then it brought three other cats. <laughs> it brought three other cats too. Yeah, always Here, bring friends. Listen, listen to me closely. Benjamin Franklin said this: When the people find out that they can vote themselves money, that'll herald the end of our nation. Mm -hmm. It'll herald the end of the republic. Yep. When we can find out we can vote ourselves money, it's over. You know why? Because we won't stop. Republicans, Democrats are like, I am telling you, dude, this is all a deception. It's demonic, dude. And for you guys to pin it on one man like the president stuff, that's terrible. I wouldn't want the weight of that. No. Can you imagine being president in these dude, times? I and and I give him so much credit because he he stands up for what he believes in and he he tries to stand on what he wants to do no matter what anybody says. And it it is kind of that whole meme idea of like why is he doing this when he's hated by the media, hated by over half the country, he's, you know, made fun of every turn of the way, fought every turn of the way, yet he still keeps doing what he totally. feels is right. Totally. It's like, dude, keep going and At least doing what you think is right. In that respect, yeah. yes. And and the fact is, like, there's a lot of evidence that he listens and he tries to listen to good ideas. So I give him that credit. It's just when he was like, I want it up to 2000s. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we're not learning the lesson on this thing. But, hey, you know, and guess who's not panicking? Those who have the money. Yeah. Uh, They're not the ones panicking right now. Dude, I'll, I'll listen to And I know I've said this before. I'll listen to the radio. And these people will be like, why can't people just stay in their homes one more week? With people are dying. It's like. You have a job. Yeah. Not only that, <laughs> how many are 99% of people are surviving this thing. 65 and over are 80% of the deaths. Exactly. 0.2%. Uh, and you're making me justify death. I'm not. You're the one justifying shutdowns. No. You're the one killing people, dude. I don't care. You can tell me all day long because I don't wear a mask. I'm, I'm, I'm susceptible to killing people. You forcing people into their homes and forcing men not to work when it's their natural God-given ability to work and sweat and provide for their family and have a sense of pride in their life. You doing that to them and forcing depression on these people is 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 worse than what I'm than, than what I'm doing. Because you don't even know what what kind of effect I have, but I know what kind of effect that has. And it's long-lasting too. Totally. It, it, this will this will be a mess for decades. It will. It'll be a mess for decades because of all of the crap that we have. Uh, dude, pulled dude, on I this. was just reading a statistic today. It says divorce has been down since the fifties. We're, we're at a, we're at all time low right now in divorce yeah. since the fifties. Right? Did you know we have a record low number of marriages? Mm -hmm. People are like, I even seen Christian publications. Oh my gosh, look, divorce is down. Marriages are down. They're just yeah. living with each other. <laughs> We've lost the value of covenant. Do you know what? Yeah. It's been broken down, and it's the church. It's us. Right? If we don't value scripture. If we don't value the covenant we have before God, we will lose the covenant before man. And so then man has this contract called the Constitution where we all say, hey, we're going to abide under this. We're going to study this. We quit doing that and abiding by that. Guess what? The marriage contracts don't matter. Yeah. Negotiations if, don't matter. We just need lawyers for lawyers on lawyers. If, if we don't follow the Constitution, if we don't follow covenants that are set before us, then what we end up doing is we try and make up our own rules as we go. And actually, slide number three, this is a perfect example of this. Um, and you'll see why in a second. So Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, which, okay, Graham, thank you. Um, <laughs> give or take with you dude um it is, it, 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 it's it's really give weird. Or take with him uh they're working to block biden from the iran and paris deals now this is the argument they're using is they're saying look what trump and uh secretary of state mike pompeo need to do is say no 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 these need to actually be treaties 
Let's send them to Congress. That would be perfect. Should have done that from the beginning. But I'm going to read a quote from John Kerry, one of the architects of the Paris Climate Accord. And this will tell you why a covenant is so important. Ooh. When asked why it wasn't considered a treaty, he said, well, Congressman, I spent quite a few years trying to get a lot of treaties through the United States Senate. It has become physically impossible. That's why, because you can't pass a treaty anymore. It's become impossible to schedule, to pass, and I sat there leading the charge on the Disabilities Treaty, which fell to basically ideology and politics. So I think that's the reason why. Wow. Hmm. So again, we keep circumnavigating the law, right, and making it easier for ourselves to destroy the law. Think about that, dude, which hastens our death. I couldn't get what I wanted. Exactly. So dude. therefore, I'll go and end around in order to get what I wanted. Here. And if you're not careful, you will actually get what you wanted. And that is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, dude. You know, it's funny. I was I was just sent a picture yesterday. I told my wife this. Uh, and you guys will relate. Uh, it was a note, a Merry Christmas note from your lawyer. Listen to this. It was a simple note that said, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And there's a lot of scribbles and scratches. And this is what the lawyer wrote. I wish you, but in no way guarantee, a reasonably Merry Christmas... <laughs> And our festive period, and including <laughs> but not limited to, and a happy, reasonably happy new year, or 12 months from this prior date that I signed this. <laughs> like, that's what's been happening in American politics. America, man. Right? That is exactly what has been happening. We can't say, but we can't say, but we can't say that either because that'll pigeonhole us, right? That's why we said Obamacare mm. was a tax and it wasn't a, t you know what I mean? Yep. All these things, instead of passing it the way it should be, We've now lawyered up and said we can do it the easy way. You know what? Doesn't that sound like the fleshly carnal mind against the word of God? Mm -hmm. You know, dude, I won't do it God's way. And what does he say? If you come in any other way except through the door, you come in as a thief or a robber. He's talking about Satan. But you do the same thing in Christianity, dude, and it's been killing Christianity for a long time. Yeah. We'll put on the facade of being a Christian. We'll put on the facade of saying, hey, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I'll just do it the way God doesn't want me to do it. And then our churches will grow. Guess what they have? Do you know what's been happening a lot lately? Because we didn't do it God's way sometimes. Greater the fall. Yep. Greater the fall. And it's tough, man. It's, it's hard to talk about this. I'm not talking about this because I like talking about it. And I like capping. I went through it. I fell, dude. I understand yeah. what it's like to fall from, from, that, from that mantle and that pedestal. I get it. And there's no one there. You know, a lot of the people that said they loved me, they didn't. They left. I, I didn't have anybody except Christ. Probably by design. God's good. Yeah. But I understand what it's like being up here and not doing it God's way. And he has to bring you down to do it his way. It'll, and his way is so much more awesome. And and it'll happen. If if you're not willing to listen to the Lord and and change your path, a lot of times what will happen is you will get nailed. And the Lord will put a lot of warnings in our path. And, and he'll keep inching it out of like, okay, you you better stop. Okay, you better stop. And at some point, it comes to a head. It, it, it can come public, right? And I have had my own events where the Lord kept putting it on me of like, stop. I know, dude. You better stop. Turn, turn this way. Don't keep going. Why are you going? And finally, comes to a head and it smacks you in the face. It does, man. And it's, it's embarrassing and it's painful and it hurts. But if you learn from that, you grow from it God too. God is so faithful too, he, dude. And, and he will lift you back up and, and he will rectify you. Now, things that you may have burned in the world may not come back because guess what? Burning is a chemical change. Yeah. So sometimes you just can't put it back together. But it doesn't mean that the Lord's not faithful to restore you in the ways that he sees fit. Bro, he restores what the locusts have eaten. There's no yeah. question, right? 
He just wants you to have the right heart to receive that. That's mm -hmm. all. He wants you not to neglect him. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, it talks about, I think it's 12 and 8, chapters 8 and 12. It says it a couple times. Beware lest you forget God in your in your prosperity. Don't don't forget him when you're prosperous. Yeah. Dude, that is dangerous. Amen. That's a human nature. We do it, right? It's easy for us to say, yeah, man, two grand a person, rock and roll. What is it doing to our future? What's it doing to our nation? What's it going to do for our kids? What's it going to do for the economies in the future? Yeah. You can't sacrifice the future for the now. And that's that's exactly why we're talking about this idea of, of the Constitution, of the idea of following your covenant with the Lord, right? Because once you step outside of that, I want you to read Romans 1 with this in mind. Read the whole chapter with this in mind of what happens when you step away from what God has instructed you to do. And, and you read it through new eyes because people read it and, and they're like, oh, it's, it's just against homosexuality. No, what it's talking about is the results of when people were trying to go their own way. And the Lord finally said, go, go your own way. And that's why we are so intent on the Constitution, because once you take those borders off, you don't know where you're going to go because people are going to guide with their own whims and their own pleasures. So that being said, we are totally, we're totally behind Cruz and Graham on this, because if anything, it's a shot across the bow of, look, you need to do this the proper way. Is it small? Absolutely. But at least it's something. Exactly. Exactly. And it's up to you guys, really. It's up to us to really take what we learned. <laughs> so crazy, dude. You know, yeah. I'll just say this. Let's, let's go from lessons learned to lessons applied. Absolutely. And then that way, the testimonies in that. And that, instead of just learning, that is such a segue into the main topic. Yeah, Valley Forge. Valley and, Forge. And really talking about history here. You have, uh, uh, you know, there's a picture. I, I'm going to find it real quick. George Washington um, and and his men crossing the Delaware, and you know, all slide this, three uh, or slide, slide three. four, right? Slide um, four. And, and Can so, you pop it up? Um, there's there's this beautiful. <laughs> I'll kind. Of, it's paraphrased picture. It's really good. I'm looking it up right now. And that you you know. Um, the odd, the odd thing is a lot of us don't know history and what was fought for and how we fought for it and why we fought for it. And there it is. And it's uh, it's this exact picture right here of, of uh, Washington crossing the Delaware. It says Americans willing to cross a frozen river to kill you in your sleep on Christmas. Totally not kidding. We've done it. <laughs> We've done it. And it's, uh, dude, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, and that was posted by the Sons of History, by the way. Uh, so shout out to David oh, Bass. Oh, shout out to them. Shout, shout out to David Bass and those guys, and 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 they're amazing work, man. They're 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 good people. They're good folk. Um, but back to the story. So we have this uh, issue, and and we're talking about Christmas and what people had to sacrifice for liberty and for 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 us to even have a Christmas Day in this country, dude. Yeah. For us to even have a December twenty fifth where we got together with our families to set up our Christmas trees and to enjoy this time. Cause I, you know, what I was used to sing, it's the most covetous time of the year. I used to sing it all the time, but I quit doing that because I'm like, I'm not prophesying death on this Lord. I'm going to prophesy yeah. life over it because it's about the sun. And so um, I know now what this story, and it means all the more to me because I get to enjoy my Liberty with my kids because of these sacrifices. I want you to pay attention. Um, history is far. Uh, history is for us to learn from uh, and to gather lessons and inspiration. And the, the Revolutionary War, sir, it's one of our favorites, I think. It's one of the ones that yeah. I, I actually have it on our uh, um, a Call to Christians DVD. If you guys go order that on uh, 1776truth.store, there's a DVD we produce called A Call to Christians. I do this whole section on the miracles of the founding. Yeah. 
which William Federer helped me out with, uh, Dr. William Federer, who is a dear friend and I love him to death, uh, helped me out with it because he wrote a book on these things, uh, took all these historical notes uh, and the miracles that happened at the time. And so uh, let, let's go on to the story. Before we discuss what happened on 1777 at Valley Forge, we'll talk about what happened uh, in 1776 when they're crossing the, the, the Delaware. That's where you see that famous picture that we were talking about. Uh, slide four, if you go to slide four, the painting comes from Christmas in 1776. The months prior, the British had been uh, pushing the Continental Army south out of New York. And after taking Fort Washington in November, the British continued uh, to pursue the Americans across New Jersey. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, they were they, And they went to the Pennsylvania side with little food, ammo, or supplies. Washington knew that they would not last long sitting around and knew they needed to make a strong move. Washington decided to attack a Hessian, a I'm sorry, a Hessian garrison at Trenton. So the Battle of Trenton, that's another one, another Battle of Trenton that we were just like, dude, we were winning and losing mm -hmm. and winning and losing. If you heard of the Battle of Trenton, please look that up. They crossed the Delaware and marched 19 miles. Listen to that. During Christmas in the north, marched 19 miles. Freezing storm. Freezing, dude. They, a lot of them were underclothed and uh, had little ammunition, okay? They, 19 miles toward Trenton and freezing storm. At Trenton, men were exhausted and unprepared. The American forces quickly swept them up and forced them to surrender. Knowing that he could never hold British reinforcements, Washington slipped back across the Delaware. On December 30th, he crossed again back into New Jersey. Knowing he was severely outnumbered, Washington urged uh, militiamen whose terms had expired to stay on six, four, uh, to, to six more weeks. He basically I, uh, talked them into staying on six more weeks. He grew his numbers from 2,000 to 5,000 in order to fight against 8,000 men. Which one thing that I want to point out here is if you notice, Washington, even if inside he was struggling with the idea of hope, he kept going Dude, because he, that's he had hope for that's his That's a leader, people, boy. For his men. So you'll notice time and time again, it was Washington who was like, no, 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 we got to go forward. No, 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 that's no. A leader, we got to go. We got to do this. That we can't just leader. sit back. We can't be afraid. We got little ammo, little supplies, little, little protection. Go forward. Might as well. That's right. That's right. Uh, let's see. New on, Year's. on New Year's, Washington's 5,000 faced off against 5,500. General Cornwallis and his British troops fell back at the end of the day, assuming they had trapped Washington. During the night, Washington had 500 men keep the campfires going and move the rest of his troops on a nighttime march north. So he's fooling them at this point. They marched without torches, even a muffled wagon wheels in heavy cloth. So, so they took the wagon wheels and they, they put heavy cloths around it because back in the day they had those wooden wheels. Those wooden wheels would hit the rocks and make all this yep. noise. So they muffled. I mean, that's just genius, right? Yeah. On January 3rd, uh, General Cornwallis woke up to find his enemy had disappeared. Washington's men were uh, were by, by, then. by then ending the 12-mile mar march to Princeton. They overpowered the British troops at Princeton and took prisoners, arms, and supplies. They withdrew to Morristown and established winter quarters. Listen to that. God gave them favor. Yep. They were able to withdraw. They were able to get the arms. They were able to put uh, quarters up, some pl places where they could stay and sleep. Because, yeah. dude, dysentery was huge there. Uh, 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 malaria. Flu. Uh, jaundice, the flu. Uh, man, people losing limbs because of frostbite. All that stuff was happening. Now, back to 1777 at Valley Forge. It's probably one of my favorite stories. Washington and his troops arrived at Valley Forge a few days before Christmas and were ready to hunker down for the winter. They had lost a string of battles, which resulted with the British uh, taking the Patriot capital of Philadelphia in the fall. And I'm going to continue with my own notes. Did you guys know that when they left Philadelphia, because it was a sign at the time, Philadelphia was kind of like the capital of America mm -hmm. at that time. And it was a sign that if you took the capital of a, of a nation, it was over. Like you, you took it. 
Washington actually took the Liberty Bell from, um, from Philadelphia so that they wouldn't melt it into musket balls. That's, that's what they ended up doing. I mean, it's pretty, pretty amazing uh, how, how that all happened. Think about, I want you to think about that because so often we, especially today, we tend not to put a whole lot of value in something like that, let alone risk life. So I'm, I'm reminded of um, in the Old Testament, David talks about how much he would love to drink from a well of drink water from a well in Jerusalem when Jerusalem was, was occupied. Yeah. His own men snuck through ranks in order to get water from that well. And then they brought it back to him. And most of you would think he would thank them profusely and he would take a sip and, and honor all of his men. No, he actually poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He said, I, I can't drink of this because of how sacred this is. So there's, there's a value and a sense of sacredness over certain things because of what they represent. And I think it's beautiful that Washington so saw the Liberty Bell, Liberty, something so sacred, yeah, something so sacred that he's like, no, 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 we're going to take men, we're going to take wagons, we're going to do what we need to do to get this out. Because think about hauling a huge bell out of town when you're trying to escape. With a bunch of dudes who are like tired, and yeah, all that stuff. He's, exhausted, starving. Yeah. Like that was not a small feat, man. I'll tell you what. That's that's not something light to be taken. And the right. fact that you had faith in your men to not say, no, 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 we're leaving the bell. Shut up, Washington. We're getting out of here. No, no, no. He had enough faith in his men to understand the and respect the value of that symbol, and knowing that if that symbol gets taken, something a, a part of us has gotten taken out. And actually rabbit trail for a second this is why they want to tear down your statues and your monuments and change your names thank you this is exactly why they want to do it they won't tell you they'll say oh it's racism 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 well guess what now all of a sudden they're taking down statues of frederick Douglass, abraham lincoln so it's not about the racism thing washington jefferson right it's not just about the racism thing. It's about tearing out the heart and soul of your heritage and the symbols and the, the heroes of your culture. Once you've removed that and taken that True. away Truth. from everybody, all of a sudden there's nothing to stand on. There's nothing that, that you grasp for with hope of looking back and standing on that foundation to move forward. All of a sudden you're unstable. It happens in a lot of communist regimes when they're taking over, they try to wipe the old culture out in order to instill a new culture. So Washington understood if a piece of us is taken and melted down into musket balls, we're going to be getting shot with our own symbol of liberty. Isn't that a sign of oppression? So there's so many lessons to learn from this, but let's, is, let's yeah. keep going. So let's Go keep ahead, going. No, you're Go good. Ahead. You're good. Now, at that time, Congress had written in 1776, which was a year prior, uh, during the Delaware uh, whole fiasco, the, the 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 crossing of the Delaware, until Congress shall otherwise order General Washington shall be possessed uh, of full power to order and direct all things relative to the operations of that war. So check this out. Washington attempted to fight the British, but at the Battle of the Clouds, torrential rains drenched both sides, rendering all firearms useless. Because back in the day, we didn't have these sweet guns that don't get jammed. Right back then, it would rust pretty easy, yeah. right? So uh, Washington then led his eleven thousand American soldiers on a forced retreat to a place twenty-five miles distant from Philadelphia Valley uh, at Valley Forge on December nineteenth, seventeen seventy-seven. So six days before Christmas. Meanwhile, another eleven thousand Americans were dying on British starving ships: the Scorpion, the Hope, the Falmouth, the Stromboli, the Hunter, and Jersey. Listen to this: eleven thousand other soldiers were on starvation ships. I mean, that's who were captured, and they're dying. President uh, Yale President Ezra Stiles said this in 1783, 
Oh, that my head were waters and that my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep the thousands of our brethren that have perished in prison ships. Now, soldiers at Valley Forge were uh, from every state in the Union and some as young as 12 years old, some as old as 60, right? And though most of them were like white, they were European descent. Uh, a lot of them were American Indian, uh, African American, all that stuff. And lacking food and supplies, soldiers died at the rate of 12 per day. 12 per day were dying. I mean, imagine that. You keep doing this over 100 days. That's that's a lot, of people. a lot of people. Right. So you just, you're starting to lose and lose and lose. And so what do they do, right? Lacking food and supplies, they were drying 12 a day. Over 2,500 froze to death in the bitter cold and perished from hunger, typhoid, jaundice, dysentery, pneumonia. In addition, hundreds of horses perished in the freezing weather. A committee from Congress reported on the soldiers that feet and legs froze until they became black, and it was often necessary to amputate them. This was all for you, America. Yeah. This is all for you. All the sacrifice was for you. Listen to this. Listen to this. Of the wives, let's talk about the women of this. The wives and the children who followed the army, mending clothes and doing laundry and scavenging for food and caring for the sick, an estimated 500 of the wives, the women of that time, died because they were doing their duty. Uh, President Calvin Coolidge told the daughters of the American Revolution in 1926, he said, we've been told of the unselfish devotion of the women who gave their own warm garments to fashion clothing for the suffering Continental Army during that bitter winter at Valley Forge. The burdens of war were not all borne by men. One of the things to add on to this is 3,000 men were considered unfit for duty because they didn't have shoes. And in Washington's words, were otherwise naked. 3,000 men didn't even have shoes. They were, they were having sentry posts and putting their hats under their feet in order to try and keep their feet a little bit warm so it wasn't contact directly with the snow. Men were supposed to receive a half pound of beef a day. Um, in February, especially, food shortages often left the men without meat for several days at a time. They were beaten down by cold, lack of supplies, lack of food, but disease ran rampant. You lost almost a sixth of the men to disease. Flu, typhus, typhoid fever, dysentery were exacerbated by poor hygiene and conditions. These were people who were on their last leg. These were people who were beaten down by the conditions, by the lack of supplies, by the disorganization, by the disease, by by <laughs> being pressed to their last. Dude. I want you to, I'm just going to take a moment. Let's, let's take a pause here. Think about where they're at in, in the fort or in Valley Forge. They're in winter quarters. Think about what it would be like to be at that moment. Now, you know how the war ended, but think about what it's like. You're three years into this war and you are starving. You have no shoes. You've lost a string of battles, and now you're sitting in winter quarter. You have six people in your hut with you, at least, unless some of them have their families. You haven't had meat for several days. You're sleeping on straw because guess what? There's not enough blankets to go around. And you're facing off against the biggest military in the world. And I want you to think about how little hope you would have in that moment. And now I want you to compare it to today. Look at what you're going through this past year, this past four years, this past 15, 20 years, however you want to compare it. A, man, we are still at the beginning, and that's a good thing. We still have a lot of hope. But B, 
take hope from where they were at. Yet then it still carried through. And they they looked to Washington because Washington was a man who carried himself through no matter what. But there were even people who questioned him. Right. There were people inside who said, well, he lost Philadelphia, so you know we need to get rid of this guy. And there was actually consensus that started in the camp. They did a mutiny, basically, of like, get rid of him. We want somebody else. And, of course, you had apathy and loyalists on the outside of the camp who were like, we shouldn't be fighting this war. Let's just submit to the British, and they'll keep us comfortable. Now, yeah, they raid our homes once in a while. They rape our wives once in a while. They tax us without representation. They imprison us without representation or without, without jury or trial. But, you know, we're safe. Right, right. And I think, too, to, to, to kind of go on here with the Valley Forge thing, uh, it was uh, George Washington wrote two days before Christmas in 1777, we have this day no less than uh, 2,800 men in camp unfit for duty because they are barefoot and otherwise naked. Washington added that unless some great capital change suddenly takes place, this army must inevitably starve, dissolve, or disperse in order to obtain substance in the best manner they can. Continental Congress got together and said, you know, let's just get rid of Washington, put another guy yep, in. Yep. Uh, but they didn't do that uh, at the at the behest of uh, Maryland delegate Charles Carroll. He's basically fought for him. He's one of the signers of the Declaration. But this is where that famous picture comes in, Washington praying at Valley Forge, that a, for, a farmer, it said that a farmer reportedly observed Washington kneeling in prayer in the snow. Having 3,000 dudes that can't fight, they're almost dead. And he's, Lord, what do I do? Same thing happened in the Battle of Brooklyn. If you guys ever read the Battle of Brooklyn, yeah. oh my gosh, uh, the way ba- uh, uh, Reverend, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Major Ben Talamage wrote that a dense fog was like on the, and then it yeah. lifted after the last soldier left. All these miracles began to take place in the Boy Scout Handbook in 1948. It said in the section "Duty to God," it says this: "You worship God regularly with your family in your church or synagogue, faithful to Almighty God's commandments. Most great men in history have been men of deep religious faith." Washington knelt in the snow to pray at Valley Forge. That was what they taught the kids, that this general who led men into battle, who was saying, look, we could die. I'm ready to die, Lord, but I don't want them to die needlessly. And God miraculously saved them. Washington survived all of this Mm -hmm. and more, right? Including some of his men. Do you realize the sacrifices paid for you during Christmas? Just during Christmas, not including all the other battles, not including the Battle of Trenton, like I said, the Battle of Brooklyn, which was in August of 1776. Now, all this, not including the last war where we uh, pinned Cornwallis, all these other things. These guys did it for you, citizens of America, right? Jesus Christ did it for you. People were like, you can't compare the two. Yes, I can. Because it takes someone selfless to sacrifice their life for something they know won't benefit them right now, but it'll benefit their kids. Did it benefit Christ to hang on a cross, rejecting the shame and despising it? Did it benefit them at at that moment? No. But when he rose again, it benefited all of us for the future. Mm -hmm. And when you step beyond that threshold and you realize I'm not doing this for myself anymore, I am doing this for a greater purpose and for those around me or for those who come after me, there's a freedom in that. And we've talked about that before is you you can sense that freedom and you can taste of that freedom, which... I really believe that guys like Washington tasted, they understood. It's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm dead to myself now. And when you're truly dead to yourself, you're free because you can do what you need to do without fear of what's going to happen to me. And that's a hopeful moment where when you put yourself 
last and you say, I'm dead to myself, I'm going to pick up this cross that Christ has given me and follow him, that means you're willing to carry to your own death in order to fulfill the purpose that you've been asked to fulfill. I, I want to share this other battle real quick. This is the B Battle of Brooklyn Heights. I just want you guys to hear this. British General Howe, this was the opposite side, uh, had trapped the American troops in Brooklyn Heights with their backs against the sea. There's no way Washington should have won this. There's mm -hmm. no way they could have escaped it. They, they were literally, it was like Egypt. It was like our backs, here comes the Egyptians, <laughs> our backs against the wall. Listen to this. That night, Washington made the desperate decision to evacuate his entire army by ferrying across the river uh, to the east on Manhattan Island. So he was going to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So he's going to take them all on a boat. They're all ferrying. There was like 12 or 13 boats, yeah. I think it was. Over to an island. Oh, to an island. Listen to this. This to is crazy. Island. This is all in the Library of Congress, too. So if you don't believe me, you can look this up. This is their notes, right? The sea was so boisterous where the British ships were, but providentially calm in the East River, allowing Colonel John Glover and his Massachusetts sailors and fishermen to row the army across. So it was bad and tumultuous for the Egyptians. Good for God's kids. Listen to that. Bad for the British. Good for us. How does God, how, how does Christ perceive that? He calms the storm. Watch, watch this. The next morning, as the sun began to rise, half of the American troops were still in danger. They were still on this, but a miraculously thick fog lingered blocking the evacuation by, uh, from being seen by the British. So, there, the, and this is what Major Ben Talamaj wrote. He said this, uh, he's the Washington's chief of intelligence. This is Major Ben Talamaj, a Frenchman. He said this, as the dawn of the next day approached, those of us who remained in the trenches became very anxious for our own safety. And when the dawn appeared, there were several regiments still on duty. At this time, a very dense fog began to rise off the river, and it seemed to settle in a, a peculiar manner over both encampments. In other words, it was over both sides. It was a really dense fog. And this is what he said. I recollect this uh, peculiar providential occurrence perfectly well. And so very dense was the atmosphere that I could scarcely discern a man six yards distance. That's from me almost yeah. it's halfway yeah. from me to you, me to, to the wall here, six yards, right? He says this, we tarried there until the sun had risen, but the fog remained as dense as ever. You tell me how long. If you've ever lived up north where there's fog that happens, the moment the sun hits is when the fog starts yep. to dissipate because the heat's coming, right? Listen to this. Uh, we tarried there until the sun had risen, but the fog remained as dense as ever. The troops continued to evacuate Brooklyn Heights with General Washington being the last man to, the last man to leave on the last boat. That's a leader. Mm -hmm. That's a leader. Historians can, uh, consider this daring nightmare retreat as one of Washington's greatest military feats. Had the Americans been able to evacuate, they would have been able to capture Washington and would have been hung. Washington would have been hung if they wouldn't have been able yeah. to escape. Uh, and they said right after the last ship was gone, that was when the fog lifted. They didn't even know that the Americans escaped. You can't tell me God didn't have a hand on this. He had to have. There's no way in earthly form that we could say that we had a hand to play in this. Washington himself yeah. couldn't say that. If if you want to go through, either check out Bill Federer's book um, in, in talking about all of this, or you can check out our DVD called The Christians because we have that whole section where we have several miracles, just a couple of many that happen. My favorite, and, and unfortunately I can't remember names and dates and all of that, but what happened was the Americans made an attack and they needed to get away fast. And so what they did was they had to cross rivers. Well, the rivers calmed down while the Americans crossed, and the river went up, keeping the British at bay. This happened three separate times. Dude. They'd cross the river while it was calm, and then it raise up, holding back the British. Cross the river while it was calm, 
Raise up, hold back the British. And we get in a tiffy about masks or no masks or these petty governors doing what they're doing. If God can do this for them, he can destroy this. Yeah. He can stop this in a second. We just can't get caught up in the division of it. We can't keep worrying about arguing about petty things that don't matter. This has nothing to do with, listen to me. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. If you have not seen that yet, you're blind. There's nothing I can tell you. This has everything to do with God versus the enemy. Mm -hmm. Everything to do with God versus the demonic. I don't care if you think I'm weird or anything like that. It is literally, it has to be the providential hand of God that changes this. Because yeah. what you're seeing is there's just a patent uh, for some of these vaccines that Bill Gates released. He's, these guys have had these patents for 20 since 2015. They've been doing this for a long time. These are all, you can't call it a conspiracy. You can look it up yourself. There's a bunch of information out there right now that these guys have been planning this for so long. And they deceived us. They did. We didn't know what to do. What were we supposed to do? Yeah. Right? And here we are saying, look, we have a chance right now to make something happen in history. Something we've never seen before. Right? And we can. And God will do it if we're willing to trust him and not put our trust in the arm of the flesh. We can't trust these politicians anymore. We have to trust God. So you know what that means? It may be you that has to run. Not on a particular brand or party, but as an American. As a constitutionalist, as a Christian, one who understands the law, one who understands empathy for man and says, you know what? I'm not going to vote for something that will destroy my future. It may take you to do that because I'm already, again, we, we say this every time. Yeah. We're willing to do that. We're willing to go to our county councils, city councils, call uh, senators and all these other things. We do it, right? And we're continuing to do so. This is your call to action right now. And this is where we need to be. Yeah. Let's get back to Valley Forge because I want to finish this out. And this is going to be a hopeful moment for you. So in about February, a Prussian military officer, Frederick Wilhelm Baron von Steuben, arrived. This guy was considered, the Prussian army was considered like militarily amazing, right? Mo one of the most powerful militaries or, or well-disciplined, well-trained, right? And for the next few months, he took charge in reshaping the camp. So this is really the turn of basically the whole war because the Continental Army finally came out of Valley Forge with an identity. And I want you to take the lesson away from this and we'll spell the lesson out for you at the end of it. But I want you to start thinking about how does this relate to today? So think back before February, they're starving. They don't have clothes. Disease is running rampant. They're struggling. They've had a string of losses. They're really backs against the wall, even though they're trying to rest. This guy comes in. He starts reorganizing the camp layout. He reorganized sanitation. He puts the latrines on the other side of the hill of the kitchen. Boy, that man, that makes sense, right? Doesn't it? You know, don't crap where you eat. And he, he changed the conduct okay. of everything, right? Well, it's true, right? True. You know? <laughs> he also became drill master. He started training the troops in intense Prussian-style drills. He taught them loading, firing, and reloading in a faster, more efficient way. He taught bayonet charges and more compact marching. So they were used to just single file line for miles and miles. He started moving them into more compact groups in order to maneuver easier. He also noted that the independence mind of the soldier was much different from the European. Okay, so European soldiers, when they were told do this, they would do it. The American troops wanted to know why. However, he noted that where normally it would take two years to train those troops, it took only a spring. He credited their willingness to learn when they saw immediate results. And I want to think, you about, think about this. If they had won before they went into Valley Forge, and Valley Forge was comfortable, and they had enough to eat, 
and and they were able to sit around and they had enough living space and everybody had shoes and and boy we won and and now we're comfortable do you think they would have been will, as willing to listen to this prussian military officer change up everything they had going they wouldn't have listened they were independence minded but they were so beat down they were, they they had so taken their licks that they were ready and humble to learn lessons and to move a different direction which made them even more hungry and able to learn lessons and to be shaped and forged and and changed and disciplined into something that could be useful so in june they come out of valley forge the continental army tested their newfound confidence and discipline against british troops Okay, technically this battle was a draw, but the army held off the British troops and it was a moral victory. They won a moral victory. Why? Because they could actually stand up against British troops. Come on. And they had a heart about them, a pride of like, look, we came through all of that and we, we stood up to one of the strongest militaries in the world. We gave them their licks. We, we did a draw. Talk about underdog story. So this training in harsh conditions, the mud and the snow built within the troops a newfound pride and discipline. Truth. Okay. This situation wasn't necessarily all that different from other winters, but it was still harsh. There was still suffering, right? They, they still had their problems and their issues, and, and they had had that string of losses. What we have to understand is sometimes it's good to get knocked on your back. It's, it's, it's good a, it's to get your face evil, in the yeah. mud, right? It's a necessary evil because what you end up learning is you go, what I was doing isn't working, so I have to change. I've got some humility now to learn and to grow and to try new things. So the lessons learned on this. In your dire moments, when, the time, when we're in times where we're against the wall, we either learn resolve or we learn to give up. And so I want you to compare this to what you're going through now as we round out this year. Are you going to be humble enough to be trained by the Lord to rise up as a new person, as a new army of God? Are you willing to start actually taking the lessons the Lord has taught you and put it into action and start seeing things spiritually or just continue to see them in the flesh? Will you actually take this time in your winter quarters, right? This, this real lull, okay? This is kind of a lull. You went back to your family. You're, you're spending Christmas. There's a lot going on around you, but hey, okay, maybe you can breathe for a second. And you're going to come out well-disciplined, a new person, ready for what the world has to throw at you? Or are you going to come out going, man, I just got my butt kicked in 2020. I hope <laughs> I can make it in 2021. Because you can become a new That's right, person. Dude. That's right. You can become somebody that Christ can shape and mold and forge into a, a warrior of God, spiritual warrior. You can do it with the Lord, and you can fulfill your calling in the greatest way possible and then move forward with the Lord and know you did well. Know you were a faithful servant. It doesn't mean that you absolutely win the war on your own. But it does mean that you did what you needed to do for God's kingdom. And you can die content and satisfied that you fulfilled your purpose. But sometimes it takes getting punched in the mouth and taking a little humility and learning, okay, what I was doing isn't right. That's right. And I've got to turn myself around. 
You got anything? <laughs> no, I just think that again, like where we're at right now is we've learned so much this year, uh, constitutionally, biblically. I mean, our, our, you're right. Our backs were up against a wall. We saw, uh, where people either shrunk in battle, which again, if you don't know, the only thing that gets you to shrink back is a lack of knowledge. Yeah. People are destroyed because of it. They lack knowledge. They lack vision. They lack purpose. They lack uh, calling and anointing. I don't think you could have gone through this year saying to yourself, gee, I don't know what to do. I think the more we, we are so inundated with knowledge, I'm actually going to preach on this tomorrow. We're so inundated with knowledge, knowledge. We're almost knowledge out. Our gut is busting. It is. And here's the other thing. You can't receive more knowledge. You know why sometimes you're like, man, I think I don't remember that sermon. I don't get this because you haven't done anything with the knowledge yeah. prior. And then, dude, you won't even learn the full lesson. You may learn it in here, but you won't learn it in here. The full lesson until you apply it, until you walk into the battle. And it's necessary for you to go through those things. It's necessary for us to to kind of bite it a little bit and trust the Lord. As a matter of fact, I was a, I used to study World War II stuff a lot. I was really mm -hmm. into that. And the guys would always say, man, we studied in Tekoa for two years. I remember I studied the, the 101 uh, 101st uh, Airborne Infantry, Airborne Division. And they had said, we we were at Tekoa. We were the toughest men, uh, brought up in the toughest ways. But it didn't matter once we hit the battlefield. It, stuff doesn't matter anymore until the bullets start flying, they said. That's when you're hopefully relying on the knowledge you have and yeah. you can apply certain things and do that. But, dude, instinct kicks in right away. What you were training, what you were feeding on, instinct kicks in. Is your first instinct flesh, anger, lies, uh, uh, depression, all those things. If that is in you, that's because that's what you were feeding on the whole time. Yeah. You weren't feeding on the things of God. You weren't asking him to train you up. You weren't walking in those things where it's like, okay, I'm not going to walk in that anymore. Do you know what I mean? So you're feeding on things that don't matter. And what happens is when the war comes, you're like, the first reaction is instinct. Fear, typically. Mm -hmm. It all stems from fear. And and one of the things that I, I want to kind of build off of what you said was a lot of times people wonder, oh, why am I, why am I just not? I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling, you know, but I'm getting so much and, and, and the Lord speaking so much into me. It's, this is how I say it. If you don't pour it out, what the Lord has put into you, it dies on the vine. So a grape has a time of ripening. And then if it's left on the vine, it ends up dying out, right? It shrivels up, it, it decays. So if the Lord has poured something into you and you're not continuing to pour that out, it gets stale. It gets gets um, um, bitter. It, it ferments, right? It, you have to continue to pour out so the Lord continue to pour into you. If you're holding all of it in and you're not committing action, you're not moving forward in what the Lord has poured into you, it, you start to feel it. You start to feel more Truth. lethargic, more, yep. more passive, more um, apathetic. That's the last place you want to be. Too. Exactly. But if if you take in what the Lord has taught you, the especially the lessons that you learn day to day, and you try to pour those into other people, and you try to learn from them and work outwards with that, when you try to commit action because of the lessons the Lord has taught you, you move forward and the Lord continues to pour more into you. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper, right? So what we're trying to say is, man, now is the time to not just be fed because you've been fed and fed, and fed, and fed. Now's the time to take what you've taken in and move forward with it. And sometimes it's that simple little step. Sometimes it is just making your bed. Sometimes it is just stepping out the door when you don't want to step out the door. 
And if you can do that, you start to learn that process and, and you start that movement forward to where you can start to have confidence of what you've been able to do and what you've been able to learn from. And you move forward. And thank you to my sweetheart, because we're going to pray this thing out. But thank you to my wife who just texted me. We, starting on January 3rd, are moving the <laughs> podcast to Sunday night. Uh, one of the reasons is because we just noticed that when we were on Saturday or Sunday night, uh, Saturday just hasn't been a good day for us. It hasn't been working out. Well, it didn't matter. We're going to move it to Sunday night. So set your alarm, set your clocks to January 3rd, first Sunday back in 2021. We will be going to 7 o'clock at night. We will be doing the podcast live. And so mark that down so you guys know. That way it's not in the middle of your weekend. It's right before you got to go to work. Some of you are probably going to bed at that time. You guys can watch it while you're sitting up because I do it too. I watch YouTube a lot when I'm laying down. All that <laughs> stuff. But remember, January 3rd, 7 p.m., get on it. Again, this is something that we love to do. We love to give you guys information. We love to empower you to, to, give, to get you the, the armament of the battle, mm -hmm. if you will. And uh, again, remember, uh, January 3rd, 7 p.m., we will be going live. Yeah. So you got you anything else? You're going to end this up? No. Sure. All right, do not forget, we are on all of the major platforms. Check out Spotify, check out iTunes, right? Subscribe to those, leave reviews. Reviews help us. Even if you they, hate they, it. Even if you hate even it. Even if you leave hate it. One, whatever. Um, share, click the share button if you haven't yet. Do it. Ready? Click. <laughs> okay, we love Please. you guys so much. Check us out on the platforms. Be sure to check out our website, theselfevidenttruth.com. Check out our store. Get some merch. 1776truth.store. Buy all the shirts. And do not forget, January 3rd, it's a Sunday, 7 p.m. We are no longer doing Saturdays. We're doing Sundays. Woo! So with that being said, guys, I'm Mike. This is Massey. Bye. We love you guys. Love you. Have a great night.